What's happening, bricks and briquettes? It is a sunny morning in Belfast. The sun is just rising in the sky. It's a faint blue. There's no leaves on the trees. I'm staring at the city hospital, which is leering ominously in the distance. Chock full of people with allergy. And overall, things seem to be pretty quiet. I think the atmosphere has been tense of late. Yesterday was probably the Mondayest Monday that I've had in quite a long time. It was dark, it was wet, it was miserable. It was certainly not peak performance. I I got locked out. I was trying to put the bins out. And we have this, this kind of interesting thing with the bin lock where it doesn't work at all. So I got locked out in the rain for about half an hour and then couldn't deposit the bins and ended up having to bring them up and now they're in my room so the entire house is just full of garbage garbage as they say in france and it's just building up i think that's a pretty good metaphor for how i feel right now what i wanted to do today is revisit an article that i did a while ago which was and seven tips for mental health in lockdown. I could really use some of those right now. <laughs> I was reading over it again and going, oh yeah, this is pretty good. Because it's so easy to forget, to get caught up, I suppose, in the the feeling that feels like it's being inflicted on you and there's nothing you can do about it. And then you just start ordering delivery for dinner every day. You know what I mean? You're wearing the same bathrobe, you're wandering around the house, just giving out about things, looking at memes on the internet is your only source of comfort. And you can forget that there's actually a lot of positive things that you can do. But yeah, the goal of this article is to reduce negative emotion and keep your mood regulated. Which, to be honest, sounds like a bit of a blessing right now. So, let's get into it. Boom. Lockdown three, oh lord, here I go again, getting locked down. <laughs> Yeah, so the goal of this article really was to provide some practical tips that I use to maintain routine, really. If you're a neurotic person like myself, prone to certain, let's say, anxieties, I've never been much of a depressive, but certainly comes along with the package. If you have a lot of negative emotion, the best way to treat it is with routine. There really isn't a substitute, I think, in terms of giving you control over your life. Because whenever your routine is broken, there's the uncertainty rushes in. One thing about these tips was that they're very much on the routine side of things. I was tempted to do a flip side article where you'd go more into, say, if this was more the orderly side of things, you'd look more at the chaotic side of things. Maybe more the creative aspects of mental health, which could be things like uh, journaling, reframing your mind to be more grateful for things socializing with people certainly is very 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 important even though we're so limited in what we can do with it yeah 
So the first tip, wake up at the same time every day. Easier said than done. I mean, this morning I was aiming to get up at 6. My alarm went off. I ended up lying in bed until 6.35, probably. I then rolled over, checked the old notifications, got up, got a cup of joe, started. I mean, Jesus Christ, starting writing these days. You're sitting there and you're like, fuck. Do I really have to do this again? Like, I should have picked an easier career, man. Writing is just terrifying. Um, I suppose that's enough about my my woes. Your circadian rhythms regulate your mood. So if you go to bed randomly and wake up at random times, then you're going to be dysregulated. It's a simple way, I suppose, to maintain consistency. Your day is really structured about when you go to bed and when you wake up. And so there's a, a level of predictability in it if you do it at the same time. And that's very good if you're a neurotic person because you need that. You need to know what's going to go down so you don't have the anxiety and threat response to the unknown. Also, winning the battle in the morning sets the pace for the rest of the day. The worst thing I ever do, man, is look at my phone straight away when I get up. And it's such a habit that I need to get out of. Like A lot of people recommend not sleeping in the same room as your phone. But then my alarm's on it and I'll probably <laughs> end up getting fired from my job. So, it, yeah, it's kind of a double-edged sword, isn't it? Because you're so reliant on your phone. But at the same time, it has all of these terrible side effects. There is, I'm a big fan of Tim Ferriss at the moment. He has quite an elaborate morning routine that involves meditation, journaling, um, different kinds of food, coffee. Generally, I like to simplify it. I mean, I know exactly what I do when I wake up. So I eat breakfast and I have a coffee. And then I go straight into writing. Or if I'm training, which is a bit haphazard during this lockdown, uh, I get up at six, I run to training, I train, I have breakfast when I come home, I start writing, and then I work. You don't have the existential crisis when you wake up, when you know exactly what you do, for at least the first hour of the day, I would say. I mean, ideally, you should have planned out your whole day. I think Sundays are a good time for this, where you sit down, look at your week, you kind of get your different blocks together i mean if you have work if you have a passion if you have a specific you know social engagements whatever it is I like to use google calendars to sit down and just lay it out and it gives you kind of a continuous train of positive emotion because you're not you know obviously you can actually schedule gaps to not do anything the idea wouldn't be that you're just constantly you know hyper productivity yada yada jumping from one thing to another just exhausting yourself but the idea is that you have a a rough sketch a blueprint of how it's going to go so when there is in between bits you're not actually just going to fall apart i think it's very important specifically if you're a person with a lot of negative emotion to do this number two have a schedule so we kind of covered that already the important thing about this one is that you only experience positive emotion in relation to an aim. This is something I, I figured out so late, man. I feel like that really could have been essential to know at a very young age because so much of my life was spent waking up whenever I felt like it, usually as late as possible, because I thought the later you got up, the cooler you were. Um, that was <laughs> my hypothesis. And the problem is, if you do that, 
and you wake up not knowing what you're going to do, you're automatically going to feel bad. Because you don't have a specific aim in mind, you're engaging your negative emotion systems rather than positive emotion. Um, obviously, I'm not a neurobiologist, so this is just based on what I've read and what I understand of the subject. But even in terms of my own life, I've been able to implement it very effectively and stabilize my mood a lot more than when I was more chaotic and less less focused on having a routine. So, yeah, having a plan for your day, knowing even what the ideal is of having a good day, if you experience a lot of shame and a lot of guilt, as a lot of us do, that's actually an internal sense that you're off kilter. So a good question to ask yourself would be, if I was to feel not guilty, what would I be doing? The reason you feel guilt is because you have an internal ideal which you're not matching up to. Some people like to make excuses and say, oh, this is the ideal, yada, yada, it's a problem. But in some sense, it's involuntary. It's not something that you're actually in control of. It's it's almost like a, a sense. It's a perception, really, of where you could be and where you are. So if you're experiencing a lot of crippling guilt, which is, I think, part and parcel of the human condition because we're not as good as we could be and we're not everything that we could be, uh, one way to ease it or to even, I mean, begin turning it into something that feels like achievement is to sit down and kind of mark out what a non-guilty person would feel like. I mean... What is the ideal that you're not measuring up to? So intense feelings of guilt are as a result of being off kilter with your internal ideal of how a person should behave. One way to take control of this, obviously, is planning. What would your best day look like? It doesn't have to be, I mean, a lot of this gets conflated with hyper productivity and that you always have to be this Duracell bunny and everything else. I think that's actually unhelpful and can be a, an addiction in itself um, as I've well found out that productivity can be a vice really just planning out what a good day would be where you're kind of working towards a long-term goal and you have this alignment between your day and your long-term plan so you get the positive emotion of achieving the bigger goal but you have it in your day-to-day life it's a surefire way to be able to maintain yourself even in difficult times eat breakfast This seems simple. I think a lot of people would skip breakfast because it's, you know, it seems like just empty calories or it's, if you're doing intermittent fasting and stuff, you'll have breakfast. Like when I'm training for a fight, I have breakfast at, you know, 12 in the day because you just burn so much fat from it, really. It's the most effective way of losing weight I've found is intermittent fasting um, as well as just caloric reduction in general. But if you're, I think the first thing you should do if you feel bad or if you're having anxiety is get that breakfast in. Don't worry about the diet. Don't worry about any of that, you know, nonsense. Because even go big on breakfast and then other meals, you can scale up back a bit. It's a good way to settle yourself for the day and to regulate your mood going forward. And a lot of the stuff in this is that the morning is a very important time, but it's also the time often where you'll wake up and be least motivated. It's often the time where you wake up and go, oh, how am I alive again? (laughs) I don't want to do this. So you need to know, you know, having a breakfast that you like 
again something you really enjoy eating every morning i have uh, oats banana blueberry uh, protein powder milk mix it up together cup of coffee maybe i'll do some eggs if i'm feeling ambitious and that really i mean it makes the world a difference man it can be the difference between a good day and a bad day honestly so it's definitely worth something instituting if you are struggling number four maintain your routine routine is a way of automating what you do and it can be very powerful because it takes takes the edge off a lot of activities i would always i mean if you're looking to change your life what you really need to pay attention to is your routines you need to break them down into subroutines. you need to look at what's working you need to look at what's not working and you need to change them um, the period of change can be very uncomfortable because you'll get a lot of urges for the old routine and I think that's where a lot of people lose lose the battle. I think they say it takes about 30 days to change over from one routine to another and the intermittent experience of that 30 days is usually one of reasonably intense discomfort depending on what the habit is that you're quitting. It might be a reasonably simple one. There's also an interesting thing though that you can kind of bank routines once you've changed them over, I've had a lot of routines because I've always worked shifts. So I've had to adapt a huge amount of times to different routines. And once you've had one for a time, um, it's kind of banked in your body and it's capable for you later on then when you have to go back to that routine to jump back into it more easily. I kind of look at it as a way of collecting different patterns. So each routine, I mean, I'm never completely set on one. I'm always trying at different ones to get better results but once you've done them it's not wasted and um, the other problem with that is if you've had really bad routines that also lives on and has a legacy if like me you're a bit of a party head in college and you woke up late and you drank and you ate loads of shit food if i have if i drink i just go straight back to that um i struggle against it obviously and try and get up and everything else and um, do what i can but it's such an ingrained habit that as soon as i go drinking Basically, a lot of the other good routines that I've instituted go out the window, which is why I've decided to quit drinking again for six months, because I'm actually trying to rebuild new habits that take the place of that older one and can act as a trigger. So can other things, though. I mean, with if you're trying to quit smoking, that's what you have to do, where you'll have the most pressure you'll have to smoke will be in situations where you smoked before. If you were smoking when you're waiting for the bus, then that's the time when you'll really get a craving for it. And what you need to do is replace it with a new habit. So you need to replace it with, even if it's going on Instagram on your phone, if it's eating something, you know, a granola bar or whatever, a protein bar maybe or something, you have to retrain a new response to the urge in order to, because, I mean, you can just resist it. That that does work as well, but you're more likely to fail. It's a lot healthier to go to change one for another. But yeah, the point in this particular article is that even, you know, really high level performers minimize the amount of decisions they have to make. They save their mental bandwidth for the important stuff. So that's why routine is everything, really, because that's what you're going to do on automation. And then you save your brain power. I read about a neuroscientist once who would order the second thing on every menu when he went out to dinner just because he didn't want the cost of having to decide between foods. I mean, that's high-level performance if I've ever seen it. I mean, it's not... I mean, what if the second one's some shit and you're like, oh, Jesus, I don't know about this. Um, some sort of, yeah, 
I don't know, ragu, is that, no, that's kind of pasta, but, um, yeah, something absolutely awful, but that's, I mean, he's made a real commitment there to preserving his energy for the big issues, which I think is a very clever decision, but also a sacrifice, because you lose all of the things that you could have had in the space between it. It's also why Mark Zuckerberg wears the same clothes every day, not because he's a robot. As Aristotle said, we are what we repeatedly do. Excellence, then, is not an act, but a habit. Um, Number five, avoid bad news. Oh, God. Yeah. I mean, is it even possible? I spent 48 hours at the weekend with no social media, and it kind of made me realize just how addicted I am to it. It's really... There was definitely, every time I took out my phone, even if I was just checking the time or something, the inherent routine to go and click into Facebook, click into Instagram, click into some analytics, click into email, and just kind of do this little merry-go-round of collecting dopamine. And my brain was there, like an engine light, just kind of flashing, going, yeah, do it, do it, do it. And it was actually difficult to make a conscious decision Um to not do it, it kind of reminded me of quitting smoking, which is a little bit terrifying, um, because you're spending so much time on the internet now, I mean, it really is the substitute reality, so, yeah, avoiding bad news on it, I suppose, be careful with your scrolling, there's a certain point, I think, when you scroll, that it becomes self-harm, you gotta listen to that warning light that comes on whenever you're scrolling along, and it goes, you've gone too far, turn this off stop doing it i find it actually gives me anxiety if i spend too long on instagram my body actually is saying this is dangerous you know you need to stop doing this so much it's a really toxic way to absorb information because it's also reduced i've heard it referred to as like processed information everything's crunched down and it's designed to emotionally manipulate you in order to get you to click things. So it is, it's pushing your buttons, really. And, I mean, even the social media news feed is designed like a slot machine. Like That's why when you pull down, it loads, and then you're waiting for a reward. And it's the same with email. Like, it's it's very, it's nasty stuff, really. Um, we, we just don't have much of, a, much of another option at the moment. I mean, there isn't really anything else to be doing unless... Yeah, I suppose reading, writing, run around outside screaming, you know, whatever whatever floats your boat. But um definitely limiting access to the news and social media if you feel bad is the first step to feeling better. Solving problems on the lowest level of abstraction first. Another way of saying this would be to solve practical problems before you solve the existential problems. In my experience, a lot of the existential problems are actually practical problems. You could feel like life is meaningless and pointless and then have a particularly good meal and be very enthused about things again. Um, It's important to not mistake how you feel for how the world is in a metaphysical sense. And the best way of doing this is before you jump to conclusions about the nature of reality, human beings, God, the cosmos, um, where we are, where we are going, whether it's worthwhile, whether it's not worthwhile, um, you should actually just take care of the sticks and mud, the 
the basics of being an animal go to the toilet drink water sleep a lot of what i've learned in terms of becoming mature has been actually using my mind less rather than more it's been learning to control my mind when it wanders into places that are counterproductive for my life you can really soft the branch you're sitting on and just before you even get going you've already thought yourself into a corner or you've used your mind irresponsibly you kind of have to look at it as a tool where you know what's the aim and how are you going to actually what are the steps necessary to achieve it and if your thinking is blocking you from even taking the first step then it's not working for you it's working against you so my advice is before you jump to any of the big questions who am i what's my purpose work with the nuts and bolts your bodily feeling creates your abstractions so make sure you don't just feel bad when everything looks bad sometimes a bit of exercise can just completely cleanse the mind it's really it's amazing really it's so simple but we're so in our heads all of the time and so far away from uh, bodily experience that sometimes even just after you exercise you go i can't believe i was thinking like that i can't believe that was going on in my brain you know where the hell was i and you've kind of come back to center so solving problems in the lowest level of abstraction first stops you from jumping to conclusions and creating unnecessary suffering over things that are actually just fleeting that will disappear once you exert a bit of effort seven reduce engaging the negative emotion systems Ooh, this is a very juicy one all right but this is kind of an attitudinal change you would say it's a change in how you approach life problems when you don't volunteer for something when you're subjected to something your body responds with negative emotion systems so it responds with anxiety because obviously if you're running away from something it's dangerous so it's actually this kind of weird very messed up circumstances that the more afraid of something you are or the more you avoid something the more afraid of it you are a lot of psychological research has shown that volunteering for things you find frightening has an inherent advantage is that it engages the positive emotional systems rather than the negative it's pretty much the difference between looking at something as an opportunity and a problem but that's a change of i mean it will be partly temperamentally conditioned if you're very prone to negative emotion you're going to it's going to be a bit more difficult. But I think you can do a bit of cognitive reframing and start to look at problems as opportunities. There is, as um, Sun Tzu says, in chaos there is opportunity. So when things are going wrong, there is always a possibility for you to um, take advantage of them and to use the inherent uncertainty to actually gain a bit of foothold what does this look like in your life how does it look like when it's practical i mean i have always struggled to volunteer for things very much i was always kind of more of a back in the class guy had to be subjected to everything maybe it's because i'm more reflective but i have to really make myself be the first person through the door but it is very different it's kind of the difference between if you're training and you're somebody tells you hey, you're gonna have to do 20 burpees and you go oh no i don't want to do 20 burpees oh, yeah. and you're just dragging your butt through the whole thing and it's just absolute torture versus going hell yeah 
I'm up for that. Let's go. Let's do it. And being, you know, you might not feel exactly that way, but you're working with a principle. You're saying that the best way to go forward is to volunteer with as much vim and vigor as you can muster. Now, I mean, does this mean you have to be rampantly positive all of the time? Not necessarily, but when you feel, when an opportunity presents itself to volunteer, test it out. Try volunteering rather than withdrawing. Try to be first in there. I mean, it's a risk, but it can definitely add a flavor to your life that will be missing if you're quite withdrawn and experiencing a lot of anxiety and uh, threat in general. So the hope of this article is, or of this blogcast, is that there's practical things we can do in the midst of all of this stuff that's not under our control, that we're being subjected to day by day, that can at times feel very hopeless to continue doing what you can rather than falling apart. I feel like there's going to be a lot of people that come out of this very good and a lot of people that are going to come out of it infinitely worse and possibly broken. It is within your control because what you do is within your control. That for me is both frightening and empowering. Thank you.